Our scripture this morning is James chapter 3. You're looking at the last six verses of the chapter, verses 13 through 18. If you don't have a Bible or a phone with a Bible on it, we think we have some Bibles in the back. They may all be taken, actually. So hope you're able to find a spot where you can follow along. James 3, verses 13 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, which, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown by pe- in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word. Let's pray as we consider it together. Lord, we read about wisdom. We also remember that earlier in this, in this book, you promised to give wisdom to those who seek it. So Lord, we pray for that. We pray for wisdom to discern your word for us this morning. We pray that your word would do what it always does. Uh, that, that Lord, it would, it would testify to our need for Jesus and that Jesus would be honored and glorified and even worshiped as we hear the sermon preached this morning. We ask in his name, amen. So last week we talked about the power of the tongue and you may have heard Bob reference this in his prayer. I gave you uh, the, what's called the sonship tongue assignment. And, uh, and I actually modified it by actually adding a six. Thanks, thanks to Dan for the, for the, extra, for the extra point. Um, so this was the challenge. For one week, I asked you all to do this. Don't gossip or repeat negative information about anyone. Instead, speak well of others. Don't complain or grumble. Instead, give thanks in all circumstances. Don't blame, shift, or make excuses at all about anything. Instead, own your mistakes and confess your sins. Don't defend yourself or make excuses no matter what. Instead, receive criticism with grace. Don't be critical of others. Instead, look for ways to affirm others. And don't use sarcasm. Instead, mean what you say, letting your yes be yes and your no be no. I can tell you, I think I lasted two hours after the service until I found myself complaining about something. Complaining and sarcasm are, are, are real uh, sore spots for me. I don't know how you all did, but... The point of that was not, by the way, to ace it or to, or to, or to say, wow, look at what I did. Um, because, of course, that just increases pride and self-righteousness. The point of this was to show us, all of us, that we struggle with the use of our tongue. That's what James, first 12 verses of James talk, talk, talks about. And only God can really, can really t- tame our tongues. Only God, through the power of our spirit, can do that. And so I hope that you found that to be a helpful exercise. And, uh, and uh, I hope that you uh, dig it up every once in a while and challenge yourself uh, to use that. So this morning, we're going to look at two kinds of wisdom. There's true wisdom and false wisdom. And so these uh, short verses, uh, these six short verses from James talk about wisdom. Again, as I mentioned in my prayer, that in James chapter 1, he already has talked about uh, wisdom. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who seeks generous, who gives generously to all without reproach and it'll be given to him. And to back up just a little bit and look at the book of James as a whole, 
James really wants us to grow in the faith. This is kind of his handbook of sanctification. We've talked about this a number of times. Um, when, when, when Paul, his brother, when, when, when the apostle Paul is talking about uh, uh, things like uh, 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 salvation, he's especially oftentimes speaking of justification, the idea we are justified by faith alone and Christ alone. Um, James is, is focusing more on sanctification, right? The, the, the kind of the second part of salvation, right? If justification is something that God decrees, sanctification is something God does in us for the rest of our lives up until the point when we meet Jesus. And our process of sanctification is never over until, until we meet Jesus face to face. And so in the midst of all this, he's been talking about a few things. He's been talking about uh, how faith uh, without works is dead. Talked about that in chapter 2. And last week, again, we talked about taming the tongue and how, how uh, particularly if you want to be a teacher in the church, uh, it's important to re recognize that words have power. Words have power. I didn't mention this last week, but isn't it awful that we teach our kids the sticks and stones may break my bones, but names or will never hurt me or words will never hurt me? We, we teach our kids the darndest things that aren't true. Um, and that's one of them, uh, because obviously words have great power. So he kind of transitions from that to wisdom here in verse 13 through 18. So what I'd like to do is talk about the two different kinds of wisdom that he mentions. We're going to look at the character of each one, the origin, and the result. The character, the origin, and the result. And again, there's only six verses, and, and, and when, you, when you're preaching through a book of the Bible, sometimes you wind up with, with kind of longer passages that delay your lunch for a little bit, and sometimes you wind up with shorter passage, passages uh, that speed up the, the, our ability to have lunch sooner. And this is one of those days, okay? So just six verses this morning. First, let's look at the character of each kind of wisdom, the character of each wisdom. Okay, you see that, at, especially at the beginning, in verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So the character of, 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 of godly wisdom, of true wisdom, can be seen in, in good conduct, in an attractive life. There, that's another way of, of looking at the translation. In the meekness of wisdom. Meekness is something that we often talk about, but I don't think we pursue very heartily. Who do we look for? What do we look for in wise people? Who do you look for when you look for, uh, to, to seek advice from someone? Perhaps you look for someone with, with great theological training, okay? Or, 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 maybe, or maybe loads of knowledge. But that's not what, Paul, that's not what James is saying here in verses, verse 13. We should look for someone, we should look for what's called the good life. We should look for someone who by their works, by their attractive life, and especially by their meekness, by their humility, that's the kind of person we should look for who's wise. So in other words, we need to seek out someone who, when we say, you are wise, that person denies it. That's the first step in knowing that you might have someone who is wise. Because they're meek. Okay. Most of all, we should look for someone who is secure in their identity. As a Christian man or a Christian woman. The humble, the meek person, that's the person we count as wise. They find their life in Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the, the character of true wisdom. Okay, wisdom, uh, good conduct, meekness. Now look at how that you can contrast that in verses, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So just, 
just some of those things we're talking about there. Bitter jealousy, envy. Someone that someone that uh, the, the, the really seeks to, to 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 want not to want not just the good life for themselves, but they want to make sure and take it from someone else. They want to get ahead in life. Uh, selfish ambition. The idea of being boastful. These are all qualities that are worldly. These are these are things that are they're they're perhaps found in the world, um, and maybe the world describes them as wise. But in the church, we should not. In other words, really, the difference between the character in these two types of wisdom is the difference between service and consumption. Service and consumption. We want well, wise people are people that serve, who look to use their power and influence to use their money, to use whatever they have at their, at their hands to serve others. While a falsely wise person, a worldly wise person, looks to use those things to consume others. The one who serves uh, uh, tries to bless everyone. The one who, does, who, the one, the one who consumes sees life as a zero-sum game. And they better be on top at the end. Now, I'm not saying, and don't, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with ambition, but when it becomes selfish ambition, when it becomes the kind of ambition that you trample so over someone else, that, that's where it crosses the line. I'm not saying we shouldn't compete. Competition, healthy competition is a good thing, whether it's in sports or, or education or anything else. Um, but oftentimes it, it can go too far. And so we want to look for someone who's wise, is someone who serves and doesn't consume. And one other thing I'll say about this too is that th there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge, isn't there? I mean, if there's anything that we've learned from the internet is that we can get lots and lots of knowledge from the internet, but very, very little wisdom, right? Knowledge is, is here, but wisdom is kind of the practical outworkings of what, what uh, knowledge is. And that takes a person. That takes people. Um, so oftentimes, I think uh, uh, we, 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 we uh, mistakenly think we're experts because we've read uh, the latest chapter on the cold at, at WebMD. Oh, oh, I know now what I need to do to conquer the common cold. And we don't think about the fact that there are doctors who have spent years and years and years who trained in different places to, who become experts. In fact, there's actually a book I think I've read, read last year about the idea that expertise is now becoming kind of a passe thing. That people are now uh, seeing themselves as experts because they've read a, they've read a blog or they've they looked at a web, WebMD page. So that's the character of wisdom. The character of wisdom. Good conduct, attractive life, meekness, service versus bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and consumption. Then there's the origin of these things. That's the character. Let's look at the origin. Where do these come from? Well, verse 15 tells us where uh, the false uh, comes from. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Oh, so the true must come from above. But the false is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And notice he goes on to say that, uh, that, that, that the wisdom that is from above in verse 17 so, the, so true wisdom comes from above. Now, I don't mean the ceiling. I don't mean uh, the clouds. That's kind of James's way of saying from God. Real wisdom comes from God, right? 
That's why he says, and I'm going to repeat it again. If anyone, any of you lacks wisdom in James chapter 1, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Right? The book of Proverbs talks about the fact that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so real wisdom comes from above. We need wisdom that's from outside of our world. We need, we need a perspective that's not mine, not yours. We need God's perspective. And only God can grant a wisdom that is otherworldly. And so going back to verse 15, you see the false wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Earthly, meaning that it comes from us. Unspiritual, meaning that it's, it's, been, it's been devised by men. It is not spiritual. It is not from God. And then he flat out just says it's demonic. It's from hell. Again, this idea of consumption and service, I think is really important to see that. Um, but the idea that, that, the, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom comes into play here too. Um, Harvard, I know, I, saw, I think Sinclair Ferguson was the one that turned me on to this in his sermon. But Harvard, when it first started, its motto was truth for Christ and the church. That was, that was the, uh, there's a Latin phrase to it, I won't even try. Uh, it's not, I'm not I'm having a great morning, so uh, I won't even try to, to, to say it in Latin. But the, uh, Harvard, when it was founded, the, the veritas, that was the word truth for Christ and the church. And somewhere along the line, after the Enlightenment, they dropped all that stuff about Christ and the church, where it simply just says truth. And if you know much about Harvard, I'm, I'm suspicious as to how much truth they're seeking. But that's kind of what we do, don't we? We, we oftentimes turn something that, that's godly and important, and we, we, grab, we grab God's, the fear of the Lord part of wisdom, and we pull it out. And so, therefore, the wisdom that we need is otherworldly, and what's left is suspiciously bad. There's no foundation to earthly or unspiritual demonic wisdom. The only, the only thing that it really exists to is to point, and it's, it's to point to ourselves and to say, I am my own God. I am wise in my own eyes. Right? We become like Adam and Eve in the garden who thought they knew better than God when they, when they chose to disobey him. And that's really what we, that's what sin is, right? For all of us. In a sense, whenever we sin, we're, we're really turning to our God and saying, I know better than you do, Lord. And how untrue that is. And so that's the origin of, of, of true and false wisdom. So we have the character, the origin, and now the, then the results. The results of these wisdoms, of these different kinds of wisdom. Look with me in verses 16, 17, 18. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's start with the false wisdom. It exists, it says, where, where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. So he's really, that's important, James. He's now mentioned it twice. Jealous, selfish, amb jealousy, selfish ambition the idea of, 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 of climbing that corporate ladder and, and not caring who you step on as you, as you get onto the top. It says there will be disorder in every vile practice. 
this is a test to see how Presbyterian you are. When you read that word disorder, did you kind of flinch? Because we believe it, Presbyterians believe in what? Everything that is indecent and in good order. Okay, that's kind of one of our mottos. But the idea is that there will be disorder in every vile practice. What does he mean by vile practice? Well, in Galatians 5 talks about that. In fact, uh, I'm, again, I'm, I'm amazed at how much alike Paul and James are. I started this series thinking they're very different. I think they actually have a lot in common. Galatians 5, this is before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, in verse 19. So this is, this is Paul talking about the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. See, there it is again. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's kind of, I, I, that's kind of Paul riffing on James, if you will. That's what it looks like. Every vile practice, that, those 15 things or so I just read cover pretty much everything. Okay? So where you find this wisdom, then you're going to find these types of products. But what about the true wisdom? Look at some of the words described there. I'll try and comment on each one of these. Notice first it says it's pure. That it's lovely. That it's something to be admirable. Peaceable. Meaning it's something that doesn't strive up or doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, stir up uh, jealousies or, or, or dissensions among other, other things. Gentle. Gentleness. That's something I think, I think a lot of men particularly, I think we mistake that to be something uh, that, that's not a sign of a strong man. I think it takes a strong man to be a gentle man. It's taken me a long time to learn that. Gentle. Open to reason. That is, open to listening to others. Full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere. That word sincere, I, I've heard, that, in, that, that, is a, that is a word that means literally without wax. That's, that, that's, that, that, that's the original term. Sin, without, C-E-R-E, -E, meaning wax. The idea, of course, being that back in the day, if, if, you, if you had a, a, a bronze bust, and, 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 you, and you purchased it for your, for your home, uh, for your Greek home, <laughs> uh, in this case. Uh, you, you examined it to make sure it was without wax, that it was pure bronze, because what happened oftentimes is that these, these things would get chipped and, and beat up a little bit, and oftentimes they'd be repaired not by, by putting, adding something more valuable to it, but they, the, the person would take wax and fill in the holes. And this means sincere, meaning without wax, meaning that it's the real deal. So when you see someone who's wise, it's someone who is the real deal, someone who is sincere, someone who's open, open and transparent about who they are. And then he goes on to add that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You want to know who a wise person is? A wise person is a righteous person, right? It's someone who who enjoys having a relationship with God. It's kind of almost like an Old Testament way of looking at righteousness. And someone who sows in peace and makes peace. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find myself in, in, in places that are chaotic. And when I'm in chaos, I don't do well. 
I think that's one of my, one of my real downfalls. Whenever there's chaos, I try to bring order to chaos. Uh, don't ever invite me to a, to a kindergartner's birthday party. I love your kids. But I, I, I remember my kids having their, their first birthday parties, and Carrie would just find me kind of shriveling, uh, kind of holding on to my, in, in a field position in the corner. You know, lemonade spilling, kids laughing, kids crying, kids spilling stuff on my stuff. Uh, you know, chaos, chaos, chaos. But isn't it great when you're around somebody who is just peace, who you can just rest with, someone that you can talk with and, and listen to, and you feel like you're smarter or you're wiser or you're just, your soul is fed just by spending time with them. My wife is like that. And many of you are like that too, because you're wise. I can learn a lot from you all. Righteousness and peace are the signs of a wise man. Not disorder in every vile practice. Of course, you know Paul goes on to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And we're kind of heading to a finish here this morning. This is a wise person. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That again, the idea of envy and jealousy being very firm part of this. So where does Jesus fit into all this? Right, it's, very, we could, we could, it's very easy to read this passage and say, we should try harder to be wise. I guess there's a sense in which we, do, we should try harder to be wise. But not separated from God. Not, and not connect, and not just, uh, uh, we should be connected to the Holy Spirit in the midst of all this. Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is, is one who talked about a righteousness of peace. Jesus was someone that never consumed other people. But instead was our example and served others. Most importantly, he served you. He came to live and die in your place. He didn't come just to be your example. He came to be your savior. God was most wise when he sent his son. And not to overpower us, not to, not to consume us, but instead to serve us. Do you, have a, do you, know, do you know Jesus like that this morning? Do you know him not just as your example, but as your savior? Because only being connected to Jesus will he even have a chance of being wise, like James describes. Only by being connected to Jesus can we possibly tame our tongues. Only connected to Jesus can we be many of these things that James talks about. Only connected to Jesus can we offer a witness to this world that desperately needs wise people to run for office, to, to, to live in our neighborhoods, to be our bosses and our employees, to be our kids' teachers and their friends. The world does not need us, I would argue, to bang our Bibles on, 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 on tables as much as the world needs wise people who have a gentle word to offer to others. I'm convinced that the world is like me at that birthday party. <laughs> There's so many people in the world who are in the fetal position 
who are just hoping life can just pass them by. They can just survive one more day. And those people live next door to you. And they're in the cubicle next to you at work. And they're at the desk next, uh, next to you at, at your school or where you play or wherever it is. We need to be the, the, the wisdom from God. We need to be those who do not show jealousy and selfish ambition, but instead show peace and gentleness and mercy. May we produce the fruit that God is working in us through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray as we come to the Lord's table. We thank you, God. You are most wise. We thank you, too, for the wisdom that comes from you. Lord, we pray that you would make us wise. Make us wise. Make us uh, as innocent as, as doves and as wise as serpents, as your word says. Most of all, Lord, we pray that we would offer Jesus to others. We would do that in a way that is meek and gentle and merciful. Because, Lord, you have shown us gentleness and mercy and love and kindness. Lord, work in us what is pleasing to you for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of our city, and for our good. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.